0: welcome to yet another episode of game of thrones abridged in which we speed through the game of thrones books like like shadowfax sh- showing the meaning of of literary haste, and showing the meaning of the words in this book, because what we do here at Old Truth Dex is we read through the Game of Thrones books, and we pick out some of the interesting bits, and we skip through some of the boring bits, and we get you to a state of enjoying this book. That's the goal. Uh, so today we are reading a Tyrion chapter, the second Tyrion chapter. So, last chapter we just saw Ned Stark heading south towards King's Landing from Winterfell with the King and the Glanisters and the, the Stark Kids and all that. In this chapter, we follow Tyrion and his party with Jon Snow and Benjamin and all them going north to the wall. And as we learn, they are taking a very different path indeed to those who went south. Uh, so, Early on we get a lot of description of the land, of the land in the north. As they go further and further north, uh, these mountains rise up by the side of the road, and the weather gets colder and harsher, and the road gets scraggle, scragglier and harder, and and we're entering a very different sort of landscape than than we left. Um, and we had all these descriptions of of little farms and and little towers and forts and roads and hills and mount. It's like a fuck. It's like the fucking Lord of the Rings. Lots of hill descriptions. Um, and and and, and Tyrion also describes the party of, of people he's traveling with. He mentions Jon Snow and he mentions Jon Snow's albino direwolf ghost. Uh, and Tyrion finds ghost very unsettling. There's something very unsettling about the animal. Uh which which perhaps alludes to the sort of mystical qualities of the direwolves. Um and along with, with 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 John is John's uncle Benjamin Stark of the Night's Watch. Uh and and at one point they meet up with Yorin. Yorin of the Night's Watch uh who's like the recruiter he goes around Westeros picking up picking up all the crim criminals and and ne'er uh, do wells and taking them up to join the night's watch um and the first description of Joran describes him as as, sin- as stooped and sinister his features hidden behind a black beard uh so he sounds Kind of like a bad guy, or at least uh, like an ugly guy, uh, which is which is I- interesting, given that Joran is, of course, rather a bloody good bloke, really, because because is the one uh, who who saves Arya from King's Landing uh, after the execution of Ned, and 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 helps her try to get north to the Wall. Of course, he fails and dies, as many good guys do in this series. But Joran... The point is, is an is an upstanding gentleman by most accounts, uh, so it's 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 funny that he's introduced in this sort of negative way, uh, and yeah. So Joran's got some new recruits for the watch with him, and it's a couple of peasant boys, dirty, uh, stupid, cruel peasant boys who were described as rapers, uh, which is like the Game of Thrones word for rapist. I'm not sure like there are a lot of little language changes that George has made for flavor in this world like like sir as in as in a knight sir uh is spelt S E R instead of S I R uh which is kind of interesting and and yeah for some reason someone who rapes is not a is not a rapist they are a raper which I suppose makes at least as much Sense rapist sounds uncomfortably like artist like like a profession or something, whereas raper suggests someone who just did something you know which is maybe more fitting uh, let let's not dwell on that. The point is that 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 John is observing that that these people of the nights watcher is meeting Joran and these recruits and stuff they're not. As heroic as John was sort of hoping, uh not as sort of noble as John was hoping, he's starting to realize that this fraternity of gentlemen who he's about to commit his entire fucking life to serving uh are more of the sort of uh gross and dirty persuasion uh which is apparently not uh the, the how john swings uh but anyway um and so Tyrion, th- this chapter's from the point of view of Tyrion, and Tyrion observes. John's dismay at all this. Um, he 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 perceives that John is realizing that the Night's Watch might be a, um, a hard life, indeed, and an unpleasant one. Uh, and uh, they talk a bit about Benjen, and Benjen is uh, a little bit a little bit cold towards Tyrion. Benjen apparently uh, has a distaste for Lannisters, like like Ned. It it when you think about it, is there really enough reason for? All the Starks to hate the Lannisters as much as they do? Oh, maybe not hate, but mistrust. Because the main explanation we have for this uh, is the sack of King's Landing and, and the Lannisters turning up late to Robert's Rebellion and stuff. But, I don't know, is that really sufficient to explain why, you know, even Benjen is, is so distrustful of Lannisters? I'm not I don't know, maybe there's more history there that we haven't been told, or something, or maybe it's just a plot convenience, because, of course, the main purpose of all this is to make, is to create this this seeming conflict between Starks and Lannisters in Book 1. Anyway, uh, so, so they're travelling, and Tyrion complains, uh, not for the first time and not for the last time, about the pain in his legs, and the cramps in his legs, uh, He's stunted legs, and he also talks, and he emphasizes again that it's, it's cold here, and it's growing colder, which should remind us, ominously, of the prologue chapter, in which of course, uh, the cold weather was associated with the Others, the White Walkers, emerging. Uh, so, so it's sort of reinforcing those ideas of some kind of rising threat or danger. Uh, well, we also, um, well, that's not important, uh, uh, and so they stop. They stop to rest for the night, and it's talked about how the other blokes are all like dealing with the horses and starting fires and doing all this manual labour, uh, but Tyrion finds that he's only sort of in the way if he tries to do these things because he's too small and too awkward and, and, and so that so we're sort of um, emphasising that, that Tyrion isn't able to sort of be a man in the same way that these able-bodied uh, folks are and so Tyrion thus thus sort of alienated goes off and reads he goes off and reads because that's how he, f- he feels he can be useful or at the very least comfortable uh, it's also mentioned that this is the 18th night of their journey which sort of gives you a sense of the, some of the distances involved here right? like in the Game of Thrones show so everyone's one jump cut away from from crossing an ocean or crossing a continent. In the books, uh, things take rather a lot of time. Of course, the chronology doesn't actually always make sense in the books either. Uh, George George doesn't really put that much effort apparently into into the exact sort of travel times and such, which is fairer blood enough because who gives a shit about the details of the logistics? But the point is that Westeros is a big place and it takes time to move around. Uh, so Tyrion's reading, he's reading a book about the history and properties of dragons, which is something that he's curious about. Um, uh, uh, and the book's talking about dragon bone and the properties of dragon bone. Uh, you can make cool bows out of dragon bone, apparently. Uh, and Tyrion talks about yeah he talks about his fascination with dragons uh and he and he talks about how like back in the day when the Targaryens ruled Westeros um the Targaryens king Eris displayed the skulls of all the dead Targaryen dragons in the in the great hall of Westeros which would have looked pretty dope uh but when king Robert took over he took all the skulls down and replaced them with banners and all the skulls were were abandoned in a basement and one day Tyrion uh went down to look at all the skulls and he found that they they that, that they were fearsome and huge and amazing and also beautiful, uh, and there's all these nice descriptions of of teeth like black diamonds and, and fires and eyes and such. It's also mentioned this sort of mystery, I mean it's not presented as a mystery, but it's mentioned that the oldest dragon skulls are the biggest and the most recent dragon skulls are the smallest. Uh, so there was this long decline of, of, the, of the Targaryen dragons over a long time, and there are multiple theories of like how, the, how this came to be, whether it's to do with some kind of maester conspiracy intervention or just like the declining power of magic in the world, uh, though regardless it seems that the, the ultimate end to the dragons mostly came from the Targaryen Civil War, the dance of the dragons. But anyway, uh, so so Tyrion's interested in dragons, uh, and of course that interest may become a lot more relevant later on in the series when uh, Tyrion hooks up with Danny and her crew. Uh, uh, anyway, so while Tyrion's down in the basement, he also I mean, he's not in the basement now, but but in this reminisce, he also talks about the Field of Fire, which was an episode in Aegon's conquest 300 years ago, uh, when Tyrion's ancestor, Lauren Lannister, uh, teamed up with, with King Myrne Gardiner of the Reach to try to repel Aegon Targaryen, the first Targaryen to take over Westeros. Uh, and spoiler, it ended... Poorly for those gentlemen. They all lined up their soldiers in neat rows to all go attack the Targaryens, and they all got fucking spit roasted by by the by the dragons, uh, by the sky lizards. Those those fiery no good sky lizards. Uh, uh So that so that sucked. Uh. And anyway, John interrupts. John Snow comes and interrupts Tyrion's reading. He says, "What do you? Wh- why do you read?" man when well, we come from an illiterate society what are you doing reading huh what's all, what's all that about you fucking gonna do a spell on me you you fucking what are those words they're not you can you, that's i don't trust them uh and well he doesn't say those things but 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 Tyrion's like all right look here's the deal uh i'm a dwarf uh i can't be a soldier uh i can't i can't i can't be this manly ideal, I can't be what my society expects me to be, Uh, but I've got these responsibilities as a Lannister to contribute somehow and to do something. So he says that the thing that I have that makes me useful is my mind, Uh, and like a sword needs a whetstone, a mind needs books if it is to keep its edge, Uh, which is, is this lovely pretty way to say books are good uh, and that's what we're doing now, kids. Uh, and... Uh, so that happens. Uh, and... And so we also have a description of John. And and it's mentioned, this off, off-hand line about how um how John looks just like a Stark. John John's facial features are like classic Stark appearance. And so Tyrion thinks, whoever John's mother must have been, uh, she she had left little of her own appearance in her son. Which is beautifully ironic. So like the so what Tyrion's thinking here is that well John looks just like a Stark, so he must have gotten all his appearance out of Ned Stark and not from his mother, this random woman Ned slept with. But if R plus L equals J is true What's really going on is that uh, John got most of his appearance from his mother Lyanna Stark with the classic Stark features, uh, but didn't get much from his father Rhaegar Targaryen. Uh, so which is why he looks like a Stark and not a fucking Targaryen, which would have caused a lot of problems if he was, if he, if he did, right? If Jon Snow looked like a Targaryen with the golden silvery hair and the purple eyes, would have been a lot harder <laughs> for, for Ned Stark to have argued that Jon was just some random bastard. Uh, so a quirk of genetics, um... Is 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 the point on which a lot of this plot turns. Not for the first time, though, of course, because the whole seed is strong thing is what's going on with uh with with the parentage of of Joffrey Baratheon, quote unquote Baratheon, who is actually uh, the son of Jamie and Cersei Lannister. Uh, the fact that Joffrey has uh, Lannister features is seen as evidence that he's not the son of Robert Baratheon uh, of the black hair. Anyway, uh, so Jon and Tyrion are chatting. Uh, and they're talking about how all the dragons are gone, um, and, and Tyrion talks about how, oh, well, you know, even a twisted little dwarf can look down on the world when he's seated on dragon back. So, so there certainly is some groundwork here if, in the future, Tyrion might ride a dragon, or ride one of, one of Danny's dragons, which would, of course, uh, make useful a lot of all this sort of dragon lore, uh, this dragon miscellanea, this sort of dragon pub trivia that he's been reading all this time, um and so that happens. Uh and then and then Tyrion addresses his observation that 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 Jon is starting to notice that the Night's Watch is not the glorious noble brotherhood that he thought it was. It's more of a fucking in, in Tyrion's words a midden heap uh for all of the misfits of the realm uh, it's where they just sort of dump everyone who isn't wanted, the prisoners, the second and third sons, all the sort of refuse, all the flotsam and jetsam, all floats and makes its way to the wall, to Castle Black. Um, we also have our first mention of Grumpkins and Snarks, who are like these sort of, uh, boogeymen, sort of folk story, fairy tale, goblin gobbledy monster gooks who live out in the woods snarks and grumpkins uh and say that they sort of have some uh snark and grumpkin based humor for a bit so that's good uh but anyway uh Tyrion sort of provokes john a bit uh, about how shit the night's watch is and john gets a bit mad uh his hands coil into fists and he and, and and tears well in his eyes and he has a bit of a hissy fit uh, which is a bit like what Rob did when he was provoked by Joffrey in the yard in Winterfell. So both John and Rob uh, are, in, are kind of childlike in the way that they're a bit prone to the old tanty here and there, you know? They can fairly easily be pushed into shouting and crying and acting like a kid, uh, which is something that that both Rob and John grow up from very rapidly, as they change from boys to men. Um... But when John gets mad, uh John doesn't attack Tyrion, but but his his direwolf ghost uh lurches at Tyrion and knocks him over, which which is a which is a first sort of sign of that mystical diewolf connection, skin changer shit that John has with Ghost. Uh anyway, so so Ghost knocks down Tyrion, um and Tyrion is humiliated and Ghost only lets him up when he when Tyrion asks nicely, blah blah blah. Uh uh, there's some more Grumpkin and Snark-based humour, so that's good, uh, but after, after this sort of, this sort of tiff, they, they reconcile, uh, so Tyrion offers some, some wine to Jon Snow, and they have a little drink and a chat together, and they sort of, they sort of actually bond a little bit after their, after their little, uh, fight, uh, and, um, and Tyrion talks about how, well, Jon sort of acknowledges that, yeah, you're right, the Night's Watch is a bit shit, and Tyrion's like, well, that's that's mature of you. Uh, most men would rather deny a hard truth than to face it, as people like Robert Baratheon or Viserys Targaryen might. Um. Uh, and yeah, they're both like, aren't we both such realists? You know, we, we know the way things really are, uh, you know. We we don't even dream of dragons anymore because we know that there are no dragons anymore. Which is not only an illustration of like how thinking that you're being real and pragmatic can be completely wrong, uh, because of course quite soon dragons are about to return to the world. Um, Really, the one of the only things more dangerous than not being able to recognize the truth of things and the realities of life is to. Think that you can recognize the realities of life, and to be wrong, because the only thing worse than not knowing is being certain that you do know, uh, but 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 having no fucking clue, uh, which is why we should all have a nice sense of humility about our ignorance. Uh, anyway, um, so they talk about how Sutirian's uh, like Sutirian sort of pats himself on the back for how so fucking real and aware and and he is. Um, he, he compliments himself, for uh, you know, he would make his own way as he had all his life, which to some extent Tyrion has made his own way, uh, because he has to some extent been rejected by his family and by society. But you've also got to keep in mind, Tyrion, that you've benefited from being a, a member of the richest family in Westeros. And this, I mean, I'm not going to tell you to to check your privilege, but, uh, you've had a pretty easy life compared to most. So when you talk about going your own way, eh... <laughs> anyway, um so they have some food, um, and they go back to the group, uh, and everyone goes to sleep for the night. Um and Tyrion's the last to go to sleep. Uh but before he goes, uh he leaves as as John is, is taking the watch, and John is sort of brooding is perhaps the best word, sitting still and hard, looking deep into the campfire. And Tyrion smiles sadly and goes to bed uh so this chapter has done a few things. It's established uh that John's life is changing in ways that he perhaps would rather it didn't uh but John is beginning to become perhaps a little bit more mature and to grow and to and to sort of handle his responsibilities as a man is expected to. Uh, in this society. Though, of course, you can question whether the adult manly thing to do really is to just fucking suffer up and, and man up and bear it. Uh, maybe in some situations the right thing to do is to try to change your course, or, or change the, the the circumstances that you're in. But Hey, there's all about sort of stoic honor in this society. That's that's the way these people roll. Tyrion, meanwhile, of course, is going up to the Night's Watch on the Wall just as a fucking tourist. He's like those tourists who 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 are about to fly around the moon. You hear about that with like SpaceX or whatever, first space tourists. That's cool slash ridiculous because of course these people are paying huge sums of money uh, to do this thing, uh, just as Tyrion is wasting resources to go piss off the edge of the world on the Wall. Uh, as he so delicately puts it, but anyway, we've also we're also starting to explore a little more deeply this idea of of the North and what that means. We're about to discover more about the Night's Watch and the Wall. We even had a name drop of the Others, the White Walkers, in this chapter. So at the same time that we've got all this change happening with the characters of Jon and Tyrion, we've also got movement in the sort of mystical back undercurrent of the series, which promises to deliver not only. Uh, character drama and not only politics and not only conflict but also some fucking mystical ass dragon white walk of fire and ice type shit man there's a lot to look forward to so thank you uh, for listening to this episode of Swift X's Game of Thrones bridge That was Tyrion Two, a Game of Thrones. Uh the the release schedule at this point is of course uh Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays uh nine PM Eastern time. That is the plan for releases of this series. Uh if you enjoy, do let us know. Uh press the buttons and there'll be the more things and it'll be great. So let's go on our way. Cheers. And good night.